Virginia. What a play. Wise makes a catch. What a play by Wise. Mercy. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom City, reclaiming sports for Christ and his kingdom. On this week's episode, NFL preseason week one is in the books. The Premier League has kicked off and someone gets suspended for reading? All this and more on Kingdom City. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kingdom City. My name is Ross Harris. I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime and someone who bets on preseason football games, Gideon Beeler. Gideon, how are you, buddy? Oh, wow. I'm doing great. I, what, that was, what an intro. That was the best one you've given me so far. <laughs> Full of lies, but I'm doing great. <laughs> well, you know, every rumor starts with a kernel of truth. Yeah. But anyway. I've never placed a sports bet in my life. That's all right. So there's, it'll be a first time for everything, and I'm sure it will be preseason week two. I was gonna say, I'm not NFL. saying it's, I'm not saying the only reason is because so far, Caesar in Missouri has made it illegal, <laughs> yes. but that might be the biggest reason. It might be a contributing factor. But getting, like I said, we had a, as always, a crazy developing week of sports. Electricity everywhere. Preseason people are crowning Hall of Famers. People are declaring this guy's a bum. This guy's a <laughs> Bust, bust. But we have teams saying, we're going to the Super Bowl after winning against the threes and fours. We have teams saying, get ready for the first round of the draft. Get ready for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. The Our Chiefs might be in it after losing to the Saints. Our team is dead. <laughs> but this is all this and more. But preseason football is back, baby. Preseason football is back. This is the promise that more is to come. We are in the third trimester of this season as we get ready for that beautiful birthing of an NFL season, Gideon. So we started with, you know, we had the Texans playing the Patriots and this game was, this was, people were wanting to tune into this one because we had CJ Stroud. Number two overall pick. Number two overall pick, Ohio State Phenom, making his NFL debut against the greatest defensive coach of all time. And, tough. Yeah, it was tough. And, but at least it's preseason. Right. It was tough, and he struggled, as all quarterbacks do in their first appearance against Bill Belichick. Yep. This is just a rite of passage uh-huh. for people. Yeah, the rookie quarterbacks versus Bill Belichick stat is... Overwhelming. Uh, yeah. It, I, there's not even a word to describe it. It's like, yeah, you're you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Just go for round two. Uh-huh. So Just he, learn from everything that's about to go wrong. <laughs> right, and it's important you say that learn from everything that's about to go wrong because Stroud, he did have a moment where he still it seemed like he still felt like he was at Ohio State. He definitely had a welcome to the NFL kind of play. He had that pump fake where he was throwing to his uh, running back, pump fake to the running back, but then threw on the same line to his mm-hmm. wide receiver, and NFL DB does what NFL DBs do and say, no, Rook, we know what you're doing. Yeah. And he drove on the route, jumped the ball. It wasn't even close. Wasn't, yeah, wasn't even close. Easy interception. And uh, yes, it's an egregious mistake. Right. And it's against a guy, a defensive back, who's you know played in the Super Bowl before. Like, he's no chump. He's not a first-year player. Like, the guy knows what he's doing. Right. So preseason, it's a mistake. Right. Time to get, forget it and move on. And make sure you're not on your social media. Right. If you're on your social media and you're CJ Stroud, 
you now believe that you are a bust and that you're trash <laughs> because everyone was probably all over Twitter calling CJ Stroud a bust and yeah. how bad he is and how do you do that? Throw an interception that bad and pack it up with yeah. go for Caleb Williams. This guy's <laughs> right. a bust. Bust. <laughs> no, he CJ Stroud I think is going to be really really good. Yeah. Um, he's got you know super accurate. He was like the most accurate quarterback coming out of the mm-hmm. class. Um, and the athleticism we saw against Georgia. He has the ability. It was just never he didn't need it right. He right. played against a or he played with a excellent offensive line yeah he played with excellent wide receiver core like he just didn't need to move a lot yeah right he could normally when you're moving outside the pocket why are you doing that ross you're doing it to get away from the rush right there's a pass rush yeah wasn't much of that in with that in the big 10 with that offensive line maybe against michigan obviously against georgia against those sec Mm -hmm. you know that defensive line who pretty much every single one of them is a first round draft pick in the nfl right? right like those are well, they're all in the Eagles. <laughs> right. Those are all big dudes um, who know what they're doing. And so, yeah, he, he showed that he can be athletic and still be accurate on the run in that game on at against Georgia, um, which he did in this game. Mm-hmm. He was able to escape the pocket because that, that Bill, Belichick rush is coming. And uh, he was able to escape the pocket, get some space, still throw accurately on the run. He had one where he threw towards the sideline to a guy as he was running and completed the pass he looked the part if that makes sense yeah the offense looked like it was well run he was able to break i mean these are little things but he's able to break the huddle he's able to get the right play call mm-hmm. he's able to get the, the cadence down he's able to get the snap count down like those are all big things right yeah make sure people aren't lined up in the wrong formation like does it look like a professional outfit right yes. exactly he's still learning so much right mm-hmm. when you come get drafted into the nfl you basically get done with your college season especially when you go as far as ohio state did right yeah go from that right into preparing for the nfl draft like you basically don't have an off season Mm -hmm. it's it's just one thing after the other and then and you have to be a sponge because it's just information overload right because then you go straight to otas then straight into training camp then yeah i think i think houston i think i think they've got a really good um Really good people in the right places, right? I think D'Amico Ryan's going to be a great head coach. He'll I be know fine. he's a defensive head coach, but he was an excellent coordinator. Great with players, like a relationship guy, like Andy Reid, right? He's a great player. Andy Reid, yeah. Andy Reid really connects with his players on a personal level. Mm-hmm. If you've heard people talk about Andy Reid, that's what they love about him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's an X's and O's mastermind. Yeah. But what what gets the players to love him so much is the fact that you know he's calling their mom on their birthday to wish her happy birthday. Right. And he, and the guy whose mommy's calling is a third string DB. Right. Like that's how invested he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think D'Amico Ryan's got that kind of love for his players. Um, at least from what I've heard. Agreed. And then they got that offensive coordinator who he brought from San Francisco. So he was like on the offensive side mm-hmm. with Kyle Shanahan. So it's kind of like a Kyle Shanahan coaching tree baby. Yeah. So you hope that with, if you think about Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? Yeah. Brock Purdy did so well because you have to be what? Just throw the ball where it's supposed to be. Find the spot on time. And accurately. <clears throat> and that is exactly what CJ Stroud it excels in. Mm-hmm. Get the ball where it's supposed to be on time. So if this offensive coordinator can be, you know, Kyle Hanna- Kyle Shanahan light, I think they've got a good chance. You know, maybe two, three years looking really, really, really good. And they're in a good division. To have these growing pains. Yes. It's not like they're in the AFC West. Right. Trying to go up against two franchise quarterbacks. Right. So he had the mistake, and you reminded me of that great quote by 
coach prime, Deion Sanders. Yeah. Don't waste a mistake. Right. And all of us who have played sports, we've all been on the receiving end of embarrassing gaffes. And I remember one in particular where I was in high school dribbling up the left wing in soccer and I was rolling the ball with the bottom of my foot trying to get it in position, get up speed. No one is around me. Literally, I'm in my own zip code of space and I step on the ball, trip on it, and face plant mm. out on the wing. And the ball goes out of bounds? The ball goes out of bounds. Ooh. Lose possession. So, That's a rough one. Yeah, and it makes you, you, you feel dumb, you feel awful, but what does it do after the game? You practice that move you practice that technique again right for hours you learn from it. you don't let it defeat you don't let it defeat you and it recalled to me romans 15 mm-hmm. when paul is writing to the church he talks about what had happened with and he had just finished building up this premise about how um God has not given up on Israel because of his love for the patriarchs, because of his love for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he reminds people, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, Mm -hmm. so that we might have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. When we make a mistake, the thing I always, when I coach the kids at my kids' school, when I coach soccer, the the, uh, mantra is practice slow, learn fast so that it gets ingrained in them and so that when they have people, when we have the players that come behind them, they can teach the exact same lessons that we're taught mm. so that we get we continue to move ahead of ourselves, stay ahead of ourselves in passing on the knowledge that we've gained right? so that we remember and learn. So hopefully CJ Stroud learns from that. But we also had another two other rookies have good outings in this game. Tank Dell, wide receiver. He, had, he showed some great speed, mm-hmm. showed some great promise there. And Malik Cunningham for New England dazzled. And it was garbage time, but this was a guy who very much like Julian Edelman was a quarterback, but shows a lot of wide receiver talents. So who he knows? He played both positions in the right? game. So who knows what Bill Belichick is going to cook up with this kid. Like a Taysom Hill kind of thing? Exactly. So I'm very excited and to he's see. he's from Louisville. Right. He was a quarterback at Louisville after Lamar Jackson, I mm-hmm. believe. So I'll be I'll be very happy to see what Bill yeah. cooks up. I mean, with what if what if Malik Cunningham takes that starting job? You never know, right? I Remember mean, when Lamar was on the trade block? Yeah. The number one team mm-hmm. that people said he would go to was the Patriots. Because mm-hmm. Bill Belichick loved one of that dual threat. Yep. Maybe he's got him. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Mac Jones, Bailey, and Zappy and Malik Cunningham come up with. So we had the Seahawks and the Vikings. Drew Locke threw for about 200 yards. But the interesting thing to me was Zach Charbonnet. I thought he was injured. He played in this game yeah. and was running people over like a truck. That's what he does. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba had three catches. Great performance for him. Stud. Um, but real cool, though, XFL rushing leader Abram Smith, he debuted. He had seven carries. So the Rock, Danny Garcia, their league is doing what it's supposed to do. Guys are getting in the league. Right. They're getting in the show. Like This is life-changing money, life-changing opportunities. Just get on tape. And uh, Abram Smith was a one of the good guys of the XFL. Very humble, very um, not-me type of person. Yeah. V- very uh, team-centered. Selfless. Yeah, selfless. And Jalen Rieger had 55 yards, four catches, but the Seahawks won that one pretty easily. Packers, Bengals. This one, I think, was going to be intriguing um, for a lot of reasons. Jordan Love. This is the Jordan Love era. They've, they've gone from Brett Favre, Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers, going to be Hall of Famer. The I think we all know the deepest fear of every NFC North fan base is, is Green Bay going to have another Hall of Famer in three in a row? Yeah, that would be uncanny. That would be the formula. 
right? Yeah, yeah, At that point, like you just idea. be like, okay, once we have the guy, we draft the next guy when he's got mm-hmm. four years left. Which Green Bay somehow hits on these things. Like they don't sign big free agents like ever. They trust their process. They because trust it's their a development. horrible free agent destination. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's nothing to do in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> except drink a lot of beer and stay home. <laughs> be cold. Yes. Uh, but Jordan Love had a pretty normal starting quarterback performance. Ten passes, completed seven. That's good. Seventy percent completion percentage. Mm-hmm. You and, do that at, at the NFL level. Yeah, you're elite. And they beat the doors off the Bengals, so nothing, nothing really. Hey, I w- wish them all the best, man. Do yeah. good. Yeah. I ho- I'm 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 expecting a good season from the Packers. I don't expect them to have a major. A lot of people off. are expecting him them to be the bottom feeders of the division. Really? Yeah. Mm, I don't. A lot of people are, pre- are expecting the Bears to take a big jump, which. Oh, I don't know about that, guys. Fifty-two percent completion percentage in your career guys, over two years. So, worst win percentage. I've been in this relationship, guys. The Bears will let you down every chance that they get. They have never had a four thousand yard passer in their franchise's history. But they, Justin Fields says no, he won't. I got this. No, no, <laughs> no, you don't. Don't go back to that relationship, guys. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. Um, she will drag you down. The temptress will drag you down <laughs> to the pit of despair. Yes. Uh, we saw Jameer Gibbs make his debut for the Lions over the Giants. He had uh, 19 yards on six rushes, but they're... That's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, Jalen, I, I don't think they wanted him to... I don't think the Giants' offensive line key players were playing in this game. Um, Jalen Hyatt had one catch for negative yards mm. for the Giants. Love it. Yeah, that's not... That ain't it, Chief. <laughs> Um, Falcons Dolphins not much went on there it was a slow game fourth quarter Atlanta put up 13 points the Dolphins scored three so wow perfect that's a preseason game but I doubt uh, Jalen Waddle Tua or Tyreek are ever going to show up in the preseason no especially with Tua's Tua gets one more concussion his career's over yeah Tua is born with glass bones and paper skin Um, Steelers Bucks this one I'm I'm so Gideon, this is a bit, bit of a spoiler, but I'm actually riding high on the Steelers this season. I think they've made great moves. Not a bad bad choice. They have a coach who just never has a bad season, no. ever. Even last year when he should have, he still had a good in season. In the playoff race all the way to the end. Um, I'm a big Kenny Pickett fan. All right. Um, I'm small hands Pickett. I'm a big fan of small hands Pickett. Uh, those Whopper Junior hands are going to get him. <laughs> going to do wonders for them. Uh, he went almost perfect though. Getting he threw six of seven for seventy yards and threw a t- good touchdown to George Pickens. That guy is explosive. Good George Pickens. He is. He's a monster. Um, I wish the Chiefs had drafted him. <laughs> yep, they were targeting him. Yeah, said they got Sky Moore. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask split reps as the Bucks continue to figure out who will start for them. Commanders Browns. This one I was actually very interested in because this is our first look at the uh, Commanders mm. under the Eric Bieniemy offense. Now, how are they improving? Yeah. So this is a pretty relevant storyline. Did you see the whole Ron Rivera Eric yes. Bieniemy soap opera? Yes. So he's coaches the guys too hard. Maybe they don't like it. It just that's. <laughs> and did you see all the ex players coming to his defense? Yeah. So like, if the Chiefs are saying. We need it. We need that intensity. And then you have a team that hasn't won anything for 30 years saying, man, this guy's really asking too much of us. Like, I think, I think I know why you're not winning. <laughs> I, I can't, I can put my finger on it. Yeah. It might have something to do with your fragile ego. 
your inability to take yeah. actual coaching. Yes. And I hated what how Ron Rivera handled this. Yeah. Honestly. I, like you can't you can't be having your players come to your head coach behind the the player's back. Because like if they're not willing to confront the problem directly, if they're in quotes problem. Right. How are they going to confront the problem on the field in front of them mm-hmm. when it's running over them or when they can't keep up? Like, that's the last thing they need. That's why you're losing. Yeah. And then it's a mindset thing, culture thing. Yeah. And um, I'm hoping that this gets worked on. But we saw Sam Howell play well in his first outing with Eric Bieniemy. He went through 77 yards and a touchdown, and John Dotson caught, one, caught that touchdown. Nice. But. Continuing with the Browns, getting Dorian Thompson Robinson. He threw for 102 yards in a touchdown again. He is balling out in this. Balling. Like, that. Good for him, dude. Yeah, I know. The UCLA product. I mean. Where was he drafted? Do you know? What round? uh, I don't off the top of my head. Um, But my first first, uh, exposure to, to, to Dorian was in, of course, the classic UCLA USC match last year in college football. I mean, that game was an instant classic and dude balled out there too. And I'm just, it's just, you never know how these guys who are from like mid tier programs, like when we saw Mahomes come up from the red Raiders, how these guys and Dorian coming from UCLA, how are they actually going to do at the NFL level? And turns out pretty darn good. Yeah, he was drafted in the fifth round. Fifth. Oh, wow. Mahomes though. He liked to fight. There was one statistic. I was all for Mahomes when we drafted him. Except there was one statistic that just absolutely terrified me that he was going to be a bust. Was that throughout NFL history, first round draft picks at quarterback who had a losing record in college that went on to have a winning record in the NFL was only one. And that was Carson Palmer. He had a losing record in college? Yeah, and barely had a winning record in the NFL. In the NFL. That's a fascinating statistic, actually. And then Mahomes just shattered that. Yeah. Well, I was very confident in Mahomes when I saw him throw for 700 yards against Oklahoma that one game. <laughs> what a wild game that was. And they still lost. Classic mm-hmm. Texas Tech. <laughs> I always wonder, I think so many people wonder this, like, what would Mahomes be without Andy Reid? Like, where, maybe he would have been just a bust. We'll probably find out in five years or so. Why do you say that? Because I, I, I don't know if Andy Reid, how much longer he will coach. But, but he will have had a career... Oh, being coached by him, sure. so he he's soaked up ten years of Andy mm-hmm. Reid, and I'm glad we never have to know. Yeah, me too. Because like, he or could... like you wonder like, what if Joe Burrow was with Andy Reid? Right. What would he be like? Or Justin right. Herbert? You know? Because like, just those thought. What's what, what's the word I'm looking for? Those uh, I don't know. I can't think of the word. So like, yeah, I I think about sometimes if Mahomes had ended up with like, um, some offensive schmuck like whatever Mike Revere or Ron Rivera is building out in Washington before Eric Bieniemy got yeah. out there. Um, I just, I, and what we would have been robbed of without seeing that. What the NFL would have been robbed right. of. Like what, he's the face of the national football league. Oh yeah. And will be for yeah. his whole career. I think he's, he's approaching that world. He's got, he's got that worldwide fame for, I think he's going to, I think I, I may have said this on this podcast. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Maybe I said, I talk about sports a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he's going to do for the NFL what Michael Jordan did for the NBA yeah, and take it global mm-hmm. and be the face that everyone, right? Mm-hmm. When the NFL goes over, when he goes over to Germany this year mm-hmm. to play the Dolphins. Oh, 
it's going to be red. Dude. A sea of red. Well, the Chiefs are the favorite team in Germany. And all of them will be wearing 15 jerseys. Oh, it, it, dude. It's going to be awesome. Just like when the Dream Team mm-hmm. went to Barcelona. Went to Barcelona. Stomped everyone. <laughs> Jordan couldn't go anywhere without just mobs of people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking for good things out of Washington. I hope they do well this year. Um, I'm curious how Sam Howell will develop under EB. Um, Cardinals Broncos. This was kind of a who cares bowl. Um, <laughs> but Russell Wilson did not look great. Russell Wilson did not look great in uh, while, while learning Sean Payton's offense. I'm not going to put a lot of stock in this, though. But um, I, Russell Wilson, I'm assuming he will be better by season start. That's a, that's a hefty assumption. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping I'm putting. I mean, some... if you just look at his career, like he was on the decline when they traded. Yeah, him. yeah. Um, and then it like. And I loved what <laughs> I loved what this will come up later, but I loved what Sean Payton said about his players. Like when we're not playing, I don't want us wearing sunglasses. Don't want us wearing Gilligan hats. I don't want us wearing having our jersey off. We don't want us having our pads off. That's going to come in handy later. Remember that statement of his. <laughs> um, also in this game, though, what was cool, another XFL player, Ben DiNucci. He made an appearance for the Broncos. Really? He, he was one of the top NFL or top XFL passers last season. Um, good to see him getting another call-up because he used to be with the Cowboys before he was in the XFL. Got a few starts there, then dropped down to Seattle for the Sea Dragons, and then is back up in the NFL. So good for him. Um, Jerry Judy caught a touchdown pass, but they left it late, and the Cardinals would convert a two-point attempt to steal the win, though, late against the Broncos. Nice. Moving to the Saturday games, Bills, Colts, uh, Matt Barkley, and Kyle Allen helped the Bills win. Anthony Richardson, though, much to the chagrin of Colts fans, he struggled in his debut. Are, are How are you feeling about Anthony Richardson? He did not play a lot of football in college. Right, and so this is what worries me. Yeah. There's nothing to fall back on and hope with Anthony Richardson in terms of like there is with CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud, you're like, dude was extremely accurate in college. Mm -hmm. So if you can get him protection, get him a good system, he'll keep doing that. Mm -hmm. That's not something you forget how to do, right? Anthony Richardson had a 50% completion percentage in college. Right. Absolutely horrible bottom of the NFL if you're throwing at 50%, right? Mm -hmm. So all all you can fall back on is what? His athleticism. Right. He's so, real tall, real fast. So guess what? The NFL's full of dudes that are like my my ceiling for Anthony Richardson is Josh Allen. As things stand right now. Okay, that's a huge ceiling. I know. Well, so like if he if things go perfectly, that's what I'm saying. If his career okay. develops perfectly, because Josh Allen in his beginning of his career, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn <laughs> in the beginning. Like he had fifties percent completion percentages, and then Brian Dable got a hold of him fix some of those things right and we see josh allen being the monster he is at his peak yeah and is it shane steichen is that their coach yes so he from eagles again the guy who made jalen hurts what he is a superstar yeah Yeah. so that's that's your hope if you're a Mm -hmm. colts fan it's like you what you don't want to do is lose his confidence Mm -hmm. right so whatever it takes to have him not lose his confidence what you can't do is start him for the first two games then he stinks and then you start gardner Minshew. Right. And you do this back and forth thing, Can't it'll crush it. his confidence. And you, speaking of Shane Steichen, he has 
not only developing Anthony Richardson on his hand, but also de- dealing with the whole Jonathan Taylor ish fiasco that's uh-huh. really going on. Like, hey, you need to fix this culture that has underperformed historically the last few years. Also, your best player hates being here and, <laughs> and has demanded a trade. <laughs> has demanded a trade. Also, don't let that quarterback fail. Yeah, because <laughs> we can't have another setback like the whole Andrew Luck debacle. Right. Ant- Anthony Richardson. Yeah, if he if he can throw the ball accurately. It'll be scary good. I mean, think about Lamar Jackson, but bigger. Right. I, I don't think he's faster. I think he's as fast as Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. but he's much bigger. Yeah. He's I think like Anthony Cam Richard Newton. is like 6'4", 2... Did I say Anthony Richardson? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, like 6'4", 240 or something yeah, like that. He's, he's like, big. He's like Cam Josh Newton Allen size. size. Yeah. yeah. But he's got the movement. Mm-hmm. Of like a Lamar Jackson yeah. at that size, it's crazy. So if he can accurately throw the ball, yeah, and then put those two together, you're looking at something unseen in mm-hmm. the NFL, right? Like what I think Lamar's going to do this year is going to be like if Lamar can get in, a, in this Todd Monk, Munkin is that how you pronounce his name? Todd Munkin, Todd yeah. Munkin, yeah, offense and be an accurate passer. Let's say sixty-five percent completion percentage, sixty-six percent completion percentage for Lamar. That would be huge for him. Yeah, that will be what you want Anthony Richardson to become. Is yeah. boom, become Lamar. Mm-hmm. Because if Lamar does that, you, you oof, good luck stopping the Baltimore Ravens from doing whatever they want to your defense. Agreed. Speaking of doing whatever they wanted, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we have to talk about the Bears. <laughs> Beating what? up on the Titans. Whoa. Um, Justin Fields. Not saying much. <laughs> I know I said something here, but yeah, not saying much. Yeah. Justin Fields dazzled, though, with a mightily efficient game. He, Gideon, he threw three passes. Yeah. Justin Fields. All completions uh-huh. for 129 yards and two touchdowns. So he threw two two passes for, you know, 15 yards and then one bomb. For, that was like a screen that went for 90 or something like that. What was it? I don't know. So he threw like two short passes that were then run for like 60 yards each. <laughs> <laughs> it was, he had a perfect passer rating. Um, DJ Moore caught one of those for 62 yards and a touchdown. And Malik Willis and Will Levis appeared for the Titans, 189 yards and 85 yards respectively. But the Bears just ran roughshod cool. in this one. So I am willing to be wrong about Justin Fields. I know I won't be, though. Happily so, though. Happily if, so. Because, I mean, you still kind of root for Chicago team. Okay, so if the Bears are in the playoffs until they get to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, You'd root for them. I'm root for the Bears. Yeah. It's but, like your NFC team. Right. They Fair bro- enough. They broke my heart too many times. That's though. like the Vikings for me. Yeah. I love the Vikings. Yeah. Um. Now, remember when I talked about Jet, uh, Sean Payton? Yeah. Talking about the rules of yeah. his players. They can't wear no, a bucket. So glass, no sunglasses. No sunglasses. No bucket hats or yeah, whatever. Exactly. So the Jets beat up on the Panthers a lot. I think it was like 36 to nothing or something. Or like 27 nothing. <laughs> Um, Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle combined for three touchdowns, and Bryce Young threw only 21 yards on six attempts. Now, back to the C.J. Stroud talk. This is game one. Mm -hmm. I love this, though. The Panthers' offensive line, they stood up and they took the blame for Bryce Young's performance. Like They said, we have to play better. We have to protect him better. Mm -hmm. So great leadership there. And also... That speaks volumes to me about the person that Bryce Young is. Because if they're already saying, we need to do our job for this rookie, like that means Bryce Young must be doing his job. Yeah, everything about camp. him was A+, plus, A+, plus, A+, plus, A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at quarterback you know, metrics, 
in terms of grading. Like, I bet the scout scouting cards was A plus and everything, except something that you can't. He's a shorty. You literally can't teach, which yeah. is his size. Yeah. And that will be his downfall because the offensive line was probably taking the blame and wishing that they could bend over and he could see over them. So that's an issue when you can't see over the line. I'm curious if he will have a career similar to a Drew Brees, but we shall see. Like um, imagine me trying to throw over you. It's just not – I'm not going to be able to see where I'm throwing. It would be tough, yeah. Especially on short routes where I need to be super accurate. If it's a long route and I know you're gonna, some, the guy's gonna be there, I can just chuck the mm-hmm. ball, right? But mm-hmm. if you're coming across the field and I just can't see where you or the defender is, mm-hmm. it's not good. What he's gonna have to do is like be like the reason Kyler Murray's effective. It was once he can get outside the pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's not big six foot five offensive linemen, then he can throw the ball. Okay. So guys at my height, Gideon, we struggle in soccer because the ball is at our feet. And that's a long way from our eyes to our feet. Mm-hmm. So we lose sight of the ball often. Mm-hmm. So I had to train myself to go by, like like all soccer players, train myself to play without looking at the ball. Mm-hmm. But that's tough. Like, like You don't see many six-foot-five soccer players. They're just not common. Yeah. Bryce Young is the exact opposite. The ball, he, in his position, the ball is up high. He has to be able to see up high. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> um, this is going to take some development on his end to figure out how to get this done when he's playing with guys that are a few inches bigger than even the guys he was playing with in college mm-hmm. and playing against in college. So I, I, I'm going to be looking forward to this with great interest to see how he develops. But getting back to the Sean Payton thing, Garrett Wilson was interviewed on the sideline during this game. <laughs> and during the interview, now we, do we know about the Jets and Broncos soap opera uh-huh. that's developing? That's going to be a good, I think they play week six, I want to say, and yeah. that's going to be a good matchup. This I'm going to watch a, that game. D- the days of our lives versions of the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Garrett Wilson is being interviewed and he's there with a bucket hat with sunglasses on and his Jersey off. Oh, that's epic. <laughs> we, I love it. Now, do I know for certain that that was intentional? No. Would it be hilarious if it was? Absolutely. I mean, come on, dude. That's that's great pettiness <laughs> by Garrett Wilson. That would that's be bulletin a... board material. Oh yeah, I love it. I can't wait for Week Five when these guys meet up. That's gonna be a bloodbath. Like Sean Payton and uh, Sean Payton and uh, um, Rob Sa- Bob Sala might actually fight on the field. <laughs> My money's on Sala. Yeah. Dana White's <laughs> actually organizing that as we speak. <laughs> yes, <laughs> along with the Zuckerberg and. Uh, and Elon and Musk, Elon Musk. <laughs> um, Moving on, the Jaguars beat the Cowboys. Trevor Lawrence threw a touchdown. Um, big thing here was Deuce Vaughn, local guy, K-State grad. Mm-hmm. K-State player. He, Tiny. Dude's 5'6 or 5'5. He showed some crazy elusiveness, though. Just He's real twitchy. Real twitchy, fast twi- fast moves. He ran eight times for 50 yards, Gideon. That's like that's almost six yards a carry. That's really that's, good. That's over six yards a carry. And he had a touchdown. So with that offensive line, and now with Zach Martin coming back. Now, here, this, it's, this is interesting. Yeah. The running back position actually is the opposite of the quarterback. It's actually going to benefit Deuce Vaughn to be mm-hmm. that small mm-hmm. because the defensive guys lose sight of him. Mm-hmm. Like I'm Warwick s- Dunn. Yes, for I'm, the Falcons. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Like uh, – Maurice Jones-Drew, mm-hmm. he was dominant, right? You, as soon as you, you know, let's say you hit the, the line, right? Mm-hmm. You need to br- break, bust outside. Mm-hmm. A lot of times those guys, and I've heard interviews with defensive linemen, like they go to bust outside and the defensive lineman is engaged with the offensive lineman. 
can't see them. Can't see them because their helmet's below the offensive yep. lineman. And so they don't even know that they busted outside. It it can actually be a really big advantage for you. Well, Danian Tomlinson was like that too. He wasn't like short, short, short. Like short, short. But, but Or Darren Sproles would be a better example. Darren Sproles. Another yeah. K-State guy. Yep. I'm looking forward to that. And he's playing for his dad's team. Like, how cool it's, is that? It's cool. It's if you haven't seen stories. the video of him getting drafted by the Cowboys in yeah. the, the Cowboys' room when they draft him, his dad breaks down. It's cool. It's, it's really great moment in NFL story. Um, the Ravens picked up their 24th consecutive preseason win as Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson outlast Marcus Mariota and Tanner McKee, 20-19. to 19. I expected Philly to win this one because I know Nick Sirianni is kind of competitive, super competitive and petty. So I expected him to go all out for this one. Apparently so is Harbaugh. Harbaugh is, remember, well, Harbaugh has said that this streak is like as much as important as throwing a no hitter in baseball. <laughs> Preseason victories. Wow. That's my accomplishments are most important, Gideon, if you didn't know that. Apparently. <laughs> I love Jim Harbaugh. It's quite the cross-sport comparison there. Yeah, I love John Harbaugh. Um, Chargers, Stetson Bennett played great. He threw almost 200 yards in a touchdown, though, losing in a losing effort against the Chargers. Brandon Staley, the coach of the Chargers, he didn't play Keenan Allen or Mike Williams for some reason in a meaningless game, unlike how he ended the previous regular season. <laughs> Curious how that works. Weird. <laughs> so maybe hey, he, at least he learned from his mistake. He learned from he his mistake. He didn't waste a mistake. He, yes, only a season. He didn't waste the mistake. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> too soon, too soon. All right. Uh, let's move on to the final games of the season, of the first week. Final games of the season. Yeah. The Saints proved that the Chiefs are destined for a lottery pick for a first-round draft. We're just trash now. For a top-five pick this season. The Chiefs, so awful. They went down early. Too many big throwing lanes. The Chiefs' defense was atrocious. Fire spags. It's all over. Yeah, might as well just trade Mahomes and get might Caleb well. Williams. Yeah, we, uh, maybe we can get a third-round pick for Mahomes Ugh. if we trade him now. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Saints went up big, 17 nothing. But the Chiefs did what the Chiefs always do, no matter who's back there, whether it's Blaine Gabbard or Shane Bichelle or anybody. Uh, the Chiefs roared back to actually take a lead. Gabbard threw a great touchdown to Richie James. Some like The Chiefs' wide receivers, I thought, had a great day. They did. Yesterday. It looked good. Um, and Shane Bichelle had great poise at that great scrambling touchdown that it was he impressive. had. It was impressive. You see Mahomes like, dude, get so fired he up was over pumped. it. He threw a dart to Kakoa Crawford, and he also threw a touchdown to future Hall of Famer Justin Ross. Uh, <laughs> uh, Derek Carr had a great outing with his new club as well. It was great to see, and he looks honestly in great shape. He looks He's absolutely so good, ripped guys. right now. The Raiders, did you know that Derek Carr threw for over 30,000 yards while his time with the Raiders? Derek Carr is so good. He's good. Like, He's a top 12 quarterback. Especially, he's never had a better than 21st ranked defense in his yeah, time in he, The Las Saints Vegas. will win the division. They yeah. should win the division handedly. Yeah. Um, all the Saints QBs threw a touchdown, and the Saints got a late last second or last minute bad turnover, but they kicked a game-winning field goal as time expired. So full marks to the Saints. That was a, It was actually a good game. 26-24, the Saints mm. win. Um, last game, Raiders walloped the 49ers. I think this one was like 34 to 3. Um, the yeah, Raiders pounded them. They had a there was a pair of receiving touchdowns and pa- uh, receiving and passing touchdowns. Brock Purdy did not make an appearance in this game. He's still recovering from UCL surgery in the offseason, but Trey Lance ab- just looks atrocious. 
He's a bust. In this offense. Like, yeah. He, well, he, Trey Lance, very very similar to Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Low completion percentage. And low game experience in college. Um, I think I th- Dan Orlovsky said that he's seen enough of Trey Lance and it's time for the 49ers to move on from him. But for what, sure. what but can they get from him now? Conditional sixth, maybe. Which is, Same thing the Chiefs might get for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's why yeah. they played him so much. Right. Kind of showcase him, hope someone will give them something for him. But even then, in that case, the Chiefs used one first-round pick on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. The 49ers gave up three mm-hmm. for Trey Lance. And that's not a, that's not the return on investment that John Lynch wants to see. But from you Kyle got State. your guy in the seventh, dude. Exactly. The, the biggest thing is pull the Band-Aid off, move on, yep. and let Brock Purdy know you are the dude. Give him confidence. And you, You're the guy. And you have Sam Darnold in case things go haywire. Yeah, but you need reason. Brock Purdy to know. You don't want what happened with Jimmy G and Trey Lance happening, which is like, right. well, who is it? Right. And then they both lose confidence, right? Everyone loves having a, double, two, a twin-headed quarterback team, right? Those yeah. always work out great. I really wonder if Trey Lance could have developed into something just if he if it was kind of like a Mahomes thing where he, he was able to sit under – a, co- a starting quarterback and learn from him, and, the, and that quarterback was like like mentored him, mm-hmm. like Alex Smith did for Mahomes, but he got hurt both years, to where mm-hmm. he, he's not able to practice and actually like, you know, learn, study the playbook and learn, and then go and practice it and implement it. Right, it's just real hard, you know. I am generally on team draft a quarterback, let them develop. Don't let don't play them right away. That's yeah. usually unless you're like a Peyton Manning and you're clearly or Trevor Lawrence or Trevor Lawrence, Caleb Williams. Yeah, it's gonna be that way. Most likely, I don't know about Caleb Williams yet. Uh, oh. I, I I just don't know what it is. I just I don't know. We'll see. I'll, he, I'm probably is, gonna be wrong. He's because everyone else says he is the guy. He is special, man. And uh, I don't, the only game I watched of his was the USC UCLA game, which he did play great in. Um, he had some really incredible throws. He's really good. Um, but yeah, I'm usually on team sit and develop. Ideally, behind like like Joe Montana sat for a few years and developed. Steve uh-huh. Young sat for a lot of years and developed. Um, but Mahomes sat that year. I think Rogers Rogers sat and developed. So I don't know. I tend to lean that way at least. But I'm glad I don't have to make that. Decision. Even just one year. Yeah. One year to learn the offense, learn the system, mm-hmm. then go out and execute. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, let's that wraps up preseason. Let's get to some NFL news around the league. Yeah. Uh Jonathan Taylor, he's expected to return to camp this week. Um, finally done with that ankle injury and not that back injury that he was they were being threatened to put him on the NFI list. Yeah. We'll see he, if he, you know, shows up and practices and you know, maybe rescinds his trade request. I maybe when he sees the team actually gelling together and she sees what Shane Spikens has in store. For yeah, the offense. Hopefully. I mean, J.K. Dobbins is activated off the pup list. He looked, he, he's been looking good in practice. And remember, J.K. Dobbins was running with like half a leg last year. He like, he tore, I think he tore his ACL or something. And he was able to just run straight lines. But he could not stretch his leg out straight uh-huh. fully. And he still averaged like over five yards carry. He's really good. What a dude in a absolute His rookie year, he averaged like six yards carry. Yeah, dude sped. And now, if they're airing it out, that will leave less linebackers in the box in Baltimore. And he's going to be pass. He's a good pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be. That's that's what he was doing a lot in practices. Yeah. Catching passes. Baltimore will be interesting. Unfortunate news: Packers tight end Tyler Davis has torn his ACL. He is done for the season. Unfortunate. Yeah. yeah I always hate to see that. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it's awful. Um, Dalvin Cook signed a one-year, $8.6 million deal that includes incentives. He signs with the New York Jets. The New York Jets get another weapon thanks to the freed-up salary from Aaron Rodgers' restructured deal. Yeah. That team looks good. Super team, as Dalvin Cook called it. Yes, super team. Um, now he has to enjoy smelly New Jersey and uh, win some games up there. Ezekiel Elliott has signed a one-year deal worth up to $6 million with the New England Patriots. Wow. What do you think about this signing? Good for them? Bad for them? Yeah. He's a good player. Yeah. He's still got a little bit in the tank. He's not mm-hmm. going to be the old Zeke, but right. he'll do, do stuff, you know? Good help for Mac. What's nice is he'll have an actual offensive coordinator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Mac Jones didn't have that last year. Right. And the biggest news so far of the holdouts that has come back, Zach Martin has restructured his deal to get $18 million a year for the next two years, making him the second highest uh, offensive guard. Interior lineman. Interior yep. lineman, yep, in the NFL behind Chris Lindstrom. The big holdouts still are Nick Bosa with the 49ers and Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, tier. Yes, <laughs> yes, a single tier. Uh, but I'm done. I don't want to talk about the Chris Jones soap opera and his cryptic social media posts. Dude, the social media is just getting. I think this you're not must... even on social media. I know, but I hear about it. <laughs> this is getting. I think this might be his agent's way of like regaining the, um, the leverage after he did the whole "I want to be a chief forever" thing. Mm. This might be a way of like regain the leverage just like posting these tweets to make them think oh maybe he wants to leave maybe he will leave you know dude this is like, i don't know this is uh fan relationship suicide 101 <laughs> like how to torpedo your goodwill with a franchise uh, I, I don't know because if you sign on the dotted line yeah but no this is the, i'm talking about the they'll fans. forget it i know the fans will forget I, dude social media has a very long memory <laughs> like they don't they don't let this stuff go like chris jones is hanging out with michael bay saying michael, michael bay's like he just quit the team real post i know awful atrocious but Chris Jones, please sign. We love you. Please. Please come back. Please. <laughs> Dude. You saw the pass rush in the Saints game. In the or, Bengals game. Or should game. I say not? No, I'm oh, saying yeah. in the preseason game, we didn't. There was no pass rush. No, yeah, it was it was bad. Secondary can't do well when the quarterback has infinite amount of time. Right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm holding on to the memory of him sacking Joe Burrow <sighs> in the fourth quarter and saying, Chris, think Super Bowls. Yeah. He's so, like, yeah, I, I have two. And yeah. I'd like money now, please. <laughs> I would like $28 million, please. <laughs> so that does it for football. Um, Gideon, we're almost there. I think we're at 25 days. Something like that. Till 26. The, till the Chiefs kick off the Super Bowl at Arrowhead at I the rings, at the uh, banner ceremony. It'll be really cool <sighs> to watch us be. run rough shots. Like, oh, watch out for the Lions. No. Oh, come on. No. Andy Reid. We are the Chiefs. We hunt lions. Getting this much time to prepare. For Motor City Dan Campbell. Come on. Uh, we have too many kneecaps for them to buy it off. If anything, <laughs> it'll be what the quarterback show revealed for us, which is Patrick Mahomes just wants to make good TV, and let, he let, he'll let he let it be close. Did you hear Dan Campbell's uh, interview when they were asked about his expect or how they're handling the expectations of, of this season? The season or the first game? Of this season. No. He's like, he's like, I love it. I covet those expectations. They're the wind beneath my wings. 
<laughs> like, what a cool guy. <laughs> I liked him when they hired him. I was like, this is it. This it's is what's going to change their culture. Well, yeah, he had that legendary press conference. Like, our team's identity, we're going to we're gonna knock us down and we'll come up and bite off a kneecap on the way up. <laughs> like, what a football guy. He's a player's answer. coach. Oh, yeah. And his teams love him. His players would die for him. I mean, you look at the way they've grown. They're going to be so good this year. Yeah. So good. But, yeah, I don't think they're ready for what the AFC is bringing. No. Um, good thing they play in the NFC. Good thing they play in the <laughs> NFC. And in a bad division in the, and in in a, the NFC. Yes, in a very weak division, yeah. I think they'd be a wild card team. I, for I, sure. I can see that, yeah. I think Minnesota will still win the division, but they could be a 10-win mm-hmm. wild card team for sure. Yeah. Yep. So. On... From football, Ross, to football. Football. Yes, we talk about football. (laughs) Football, yes. All right, Gideon, the English Premier League has kicked off again. I am so pumped. I'm expecting Manchester City to win it all again. Their team is so good. They they spent... I saw this ridiculous stat. They opened the season against Burnley on Friday at Turf Moor at Burnley. Manchester City's... the amount of money Manchester City has spent on defenders is more than Burnley has spent on free agency in the entirety of their history's existence. What? <laughs> Are you serious? serious. The amount they spent on defenders in what time? In, on the current defenders Man City has on their staff, on their roster, is more than Burnley's entire transfer history ever. <laughs> Like combined? <laughs> nah. Yeah. Is Burnley like a team that they're newly promoted? That yeah. just got promoted and yeah. normally lives in the other league. Yeah. Okay. That Isn't that hilarious sense. though? I mean, that's rough. Yeah. Like my our defensive line is worth more than your entire club. Ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> it's like Moneyball over here. But uh, so Manchester City opened their season at Burnley with a three nothing pummeling. Holland opened the season. Erling Holland opened his season with a brace before Rodri finished the game off for the third goal in the 76th minute. Nice. There's a neat story here, though, because um, the Burnley's manager, Vincent Company, Belgian star, he was the captain of Manchester City for a while. He used to play for, like I said, he was the captain of Manchester City for a long time, but he also played under Guardiola, Manchester City's manager. So this was their first meeting as managers. Hmm. Uh, it would be like if Tom Brady was now <laughs> coaching, coaching against Bill Belichick, coaching the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that would be. It, it was. It was really cool to see though their their dynamic through that. So it was a really cool way to start the season. But honestly, no one had Burnley doing anything in this game. Mm-hmm. This was just. A, a I think they're gonna get relegated again. This yes. Game? Yeah. They're gonna get. Yeah. I I, I don't expect them to stay up. That stinks, man. That's the life of many teams. You're up one year, down the next year. The yeah. trick is the teams that figure out how to stay up because once you stay up one season your chances of staying put there for years is so high because you get the premier league tv money to bolster your transfer funds and then you can just keep building talent from there that's cool so um do you see that often is there like a team that's like hey they like you know 10 years ago they were bums and now they're now they're they're not the dogs in the Premier League, but they're, you know, middle so of the road. We saw that actually just about, I think it was eight years ago. No, uh, closer to ten years ago now. Leicester City. No, Nobody's languishing in the lower leagues. They come up, and 
over the course of two seasons in the Premier League, they had a great manager at the time, an Italian, Claudio Ranieri. He brings up Leicester City a few years before that. They bought a striker, Jamie Vardy, like 29, 30 years old at the time. Uh-huh. Was playing in the lower leagues, wearing an ankle bracelet because of battling prison issues. Ooh. Like he had to, he sometimes had to get subbed off mid-game because it was time for his curfew to get back to his home. Uh-huh. And but he battled through his demons, got got those dealt with, and he managed to get his life turned around. Leicester City brings him up. They get promoted to the Premier League after two or three years in the Premier League. They win the Premier League with like an Oakland A's Moneyball budget. They won the Premier League. They won the Premier League. It was the greatest. League and that was in the last victory. ten years. Yes, it was. In, it was the greatest league run in the history of English Premier League. Wow. Not like not the most points uh-huh. and not the most like the, they weren't the greatest team. The best story. It was the greatest story. Like imagine if um the St. Louis Battlehawks won the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's what it would be like. That's crazy, dude. It, and you make me want to watch soccer. I, I try my best. The way man. you tell the stories, it's good. And it, it was just an unbelievable season. And Jamie Vardy, that same player, he was the league leading scorer that year too. He won the golden boot. The prison dude? Yeah. Wow. It was just everything everything that you need in a great story. And was then they got a ton of money, I, I assume. Well, I mean you get the winning you get the TV rights of staying in there, but they stayed in the top six, like fighting for the top six since they've made it into the league. Top six. Yeah. Which puts you in that one tournament. Yeah, in the Europa League. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So they're wow. Now and there's twenty teams, right? Yeah. And last year they had a they had a down season. Okay. They've had to sell some players off. That's okay. Yeah. And that happens. Don't get relegated, but as right. long as you now, I do have a question. Yeah. When it comes to the history of the Premier League. Yeah. Has there ever has someone ever gone undefeated? Yes, the Untouchables, Arsenal. In um, sorry, I forgot. Leicester did get relegated last season. Um, real quick, because uh, they, they did have it off here, um, oh, but they're back down and they sold off their good players. So we'll see what happens there. But anyway, the two thousand and three Arsenal, no, two thousand two Arsenal, I think, went completely undefeated. I think they had twenty four wins, twelve draws, but they won the title that year. Well, the draw's not undefeated. Yeah, it is. You didn't lose. Technically, a tie is a half loss, half win. They were undefeated. They did not experience defeat. I guess, technically. <laughs> and then you had the great... The, Liverpool almost did it in 2020. No, 2019. They almost took it wire to wire undefeated. But um, anyway... Arsenal, speaking of, they defeated Nottingham Forest 2-1 with goals from Eddie Nketia and Bukayo Saka. They, um, they're they looking good, and they need to win these games early while their top striker, Gabriel Jesus, is injured. Mm. Um, they're going to be Ar- they're going to be Man City's top rival, and Arsenal has bolstered their lineup by signings with signings like Declan Rice, um, who are fully expected to be great in uh, for this team. Then you have Bournemouth and West Ham. This game was kind of meh. There was only a 1-1 draw, but Dominic Solanke tied the game up late in the 82nd minute for Bournemouth. Um, good start for the new manager at Bournemouth, but I, Bournemouth is one of those teams that I don't expect to stay up either. Mm. Um, West Ham is going to be fighting them for relegation as well. Now, another a new team that has moved up, and they're playing well and playing up. Like, this team... Uh, this team finished great last season. Brighton and Hove Albion, the Seagulls, they mm. opened with stellar play against Premier League new boys, Luton Town. Luton Town is the um, uh, the team that has the 
the stadium in like housing development mm-hmm. stuff. So this was their first game in the Premier League, and Luton or sorry Brighton and Hove Albion they just peppered them four to one and had four different goal scores. If you want to watch a team that plays beautiful attacking soccer, Brighton is a team to watch. Their team is a a joy to watch. Beautiful flowing football, wonderful. But that match was never close, and Luton Town didn't stand a chance. And again, Luton will be battling for that relegation spot. Mm. Fulham would travel to Goodison Park, where they took all three points at Everton, thanks to a 73rd-minute goal from Bobby de Cordova-Reed. It was one of the two shots the visitors could muster all matches. Everton were immensely wasteful. Could you imagine losing to a team that only had two shots and one of them went in? Mm. That's awful. I've been on the one. I've been on the receiving end of one of those. Never fun. What's a normal amount of shots? So usually, in a good, good game, you'll get about like thirty-five shots and like ten on goal, fifteen on goal of those. And this, they had two shots total, or uh, two shots on goal. Fulham had two shots total, and one went in. One went in. Wow, <laughs> impressive. And they won. <laughs> they won. <laughs> Uh, Crystal Palace traveled to Sheffield United and defeated the Blades 1-0 thanks to a second-half strike from Adson Edward in the 49th minute. The Blades' return to the Premier League was not at all what they were hoping for, and we'll see how they can do in the rest of the season. Um, I'm not sure what to expect from them. Next, Newcastle smashed Aston Villa into the dirt as St. James Park and at, at St. James Park as the Magpies routed the Villains behind a score of 5 one. Get in. I have we gotta play this for you. Listen to the sound of St. James Park. St. James Park is one of those cathedrals, mm. soccer stadiums. Um, it's in the Midlands, massive stadium, huge crowd, built for noise, almost like the, the Seattle Seahawks field. Listen to this as new signing from AC Milan, Sandra Tonali scores this opening goal for them. Newcastle United and Aston Villa, two of English football's awakening giants, each bouncing off their best season for decades, reaching for the stars, burdened this time, of course, by greater expectation. Gordon, Joel Inson. Gordon. Well, he's inspirational. Listen wow. to that. They went crazy. Dude, uh, and Newcastle has one of, is experiencing that influx of Saudi oil money. Mm. So Newcastle is a historic club. Like, they, they're a great club. But now they have the money to compete with the, the Chelsea's of the world, with the Man City's of the world, with the Manchester United's of the world. And now they're buying the players they need to compete this team is one to watch. They can absolutely challenge for the title this year. Wow. I can't wait to see what they do. The Sandra Tonali stole the show. Harvey Barnes had a great de- uh, debut for them as well. He scored. But their striker they signed last year, youngster Alexander Izak, the Norwegian, I believe. Or sorry, Swede, the Swede. He stole the show with a delightful chipped finish, delicate chipped finish up over the keeper, dipped right under the bar. Keeper had no chance. Gorgeous third mm. goal for that team. And just such great control for a kid who's only like 21, 22 years old. Wow. They look good, man. Next, Brentford and Tottenham opened the Sunday matches with Spurs traveling to Brentford. Now, Brentford, of course, has their best striker, Ivan Tony, suspended for gambling on games. 
Of course, I knew that. Uh, Brentford is also uh, sponsored by a sports book on their jerseys. So there's <laughs> irony at its finest. Uh, Spurs arrived into the Premier League season reeling, though, as their top striker, Harry Kane, did sign for Bayern Munich over the weekend for one over 100 million euros. Um, this game would end 2-2, two to two, though, as the team split the spoils in a back-and-forth match. Brentford was one of those recent promotion teams that are hovering in the top half of the table, so they're actually having good performances out of them. Now, the game of the weekend, though, was when Chelsea hosted Liverpool at Stamford Bridge in London, a matchup that has ended in a draw seven straight times, Gideon. Now, this team has a lot of history. In the early 2000s, you had Steven Gerrard for Liverpool, one of the greatest English midfielders to ever live, up against Frank Lampard of Chelsea, one of the other greatest English midfielders to ever live as direct rivals competing against each other. Mm. They both were English. They both played the same position. They both wore number eight. They both scored tons of goals. They both were around the same age. And their team, but they were there was inverse success with each team. Frank Lampard's Chelsea teams were great champions. And Gerard never won a championship with Liverpool. But they played to a lot of thrilling and gripping matches. Now, Liverpool would go ahead early in this game thanks to incredible buildup from Alexis McAllister for Liverpool, new signing, and he fed Mo Salah, who fed a perfect slide rule pass to Luis Diaz to open the scoring here in London. But Chelsea would not be denied as Chelsea new signing Axel de Sassi would tuck a second-chance ball past Alisson Becker to tie the game up for Chelsea 1-1. to both teams would have a goal disallowed due to offsides, but Liverpool would have to feel hard done by as a potential penalty was not given. This this ref annoyed me to death. <laughs> there was a clear and obvious handball really? on Axel de Sassi for Chelsea in the penalty box. Should have been a penalty. Wasn't called. Anthony Taylor hates Liverpool. I'm convinced. The referee. <laughs> and he just refuses to give penalties to this team. I'm not bitter at all. The <laughs> Yeah, I can't tell. I can't. Yeah, you can't tell. Um... A draw, though, seemed fair, if I'm being honest. Um, there, so it drawed again. It was another draw. Eighth time in a row? Eighth time in a row. It ended up a 1-1 draw. The points were split, but honestly... So that's four seasons, right? Yes. Because you play twice in mm-hmm. one season? Yeah. But honestly, if I... I don't feel like a loss in this one because when you can go on the road to a top four team like Chelsea and split the spoils, I'll take that. I'll take that point. Is Liverpool not a top four team? No, they are, but the the trick is to not lose point, like not to not to get nothing when you go to the big guys. Okay, I gotcha. Because you get a point for yeah, time. You at least get one, so right. and that might be crucial later. Um, there and this was also there's so there's a bit of a developing drama here too between Liverpool and Chelsea because they're both competing for the signatures of two different players, and these players are needing to choose between Liverpool and Chelsea. So you had, it's kind of like, you know, the, the classic trope of two guys fighting over one girl uh-huh. and then no one wins right? because the girl just goes somewhere else. Um, so one player, Moises Caicedo, he will, he said, I will only sign with Chelsea, <laughs> but Liverpool has put out the highest offer uh-huh. before the game. Game happened. It was one to one ended in a draw. Chelsea then put out a, the highest offer in Premier League history for Moises Caicedo, and he has now agreed to that. Is he that good? Contract. He's very good. I don't think he's that good, but he's very good. The biggest contract ever in soccer history? 
in Premier League history, not soccer history. Well, isn't the Premier League where all the money's at? Um, it is, but... Or is the Saudi League the one the, <laughs> giving the, out the all Saudi the money? The Saudi League is, but like there have been bigger... Like Messi's contract was massive. When he when he re-signed with Barcelona. Oh, okay, yeah, because um, that's the span. Right, and then you have then you have Paris Saint Germain who signed Kylian Mbappe to an absurd amount, mm. but that's why it was a Premier League transfer record, not a soccer transfer record. Um, and then you had another player, Lavia from Southampton, also competing between Liverpool and Chelsea for his signature, and Liverpool were beating this signature, or were were winning the race to this one for fifty million. And then Chelsea submitted a bigger offer again and are getting both players. Chelsea's getting both? Both. And because Liverpool just refuses to put out the money needed to win. Aren't they historic? They are. Franchise? They are. Don't they have a lot of money? They do. But they just refuse to spend it. It's kind of like the Brett Veach. Mm -hmm. Here's my number, Mm -hmm. and I will not go one more inch. Yep. So, but I'm not expecting, I, I am expecting... Liverpool to find the players they need to to get the job done on, at a bargain. It's what they've historically done. The the team that set the team that almost won four trophies in one season was built primarily off of bargain players. Mm. So uh, Klopp can get it done. But I I uh, we'll see how they do. The last game of the weekend though was Man United versus Wolves. United defeated them behind a goal from the Frenchman Raphael Varane. It was, there were 73,000 people attending Old Trafford in Manchester to watch the game. They saw 38 shots get in, only nine on goal um, between both sides. But uh, we're going to see we're seeing early season shooting form right now as uh, it was kind of a slow, <laughs> slow game. Um, but Veron's goal came late in the 76th minute, so it was a good start for Man United to beat a team that they should beat and they need to beat to stay in contention. Moving on, we are approaching the end of the League's Cup on our continent. Inter-Miami played against Charlotte FC in the quarterfinal, Gideon, and surprise, surprise, they pounded Charlotte 4 to nothing. Joseph Martinez would open the scoring for Miami, and Messi would end it. He has scored eight goals in five games for Miami. He has scored in every single game he has played in for Miami. That's so good. So that was in the quarterfinal. They have moved on to the semifinal, and it's like I said... I am very nervous about what Messi's success is doing for the overall watchability of the MLS. It's proving that um, our league was further behind than we thought, talent-wise. If, not, not to be mean, I don't want, but was it watchable ever? I didn't watch it. Yeah, it was boring. And you're a soccer fan. Yeah, and because like I watched the Premier League, it's the same reason why um, I don't watch like I I hate I don't like to watch. Uh, it's like in basketball. I wasn't going to watch the. Um, I had no desire to watch the Houston Rockets play the Orlando Magic this year. Right. Just because I want to see the best of the best. Uh-huh. Um, you don't watch G League games. Exactly. So. <clears throat> unless it's the only thing on, right? You don't watch Summer League basketball unless nothing else is on. And because kids are in bed and I have nothing to do. Right. Because I want to watch the best. Right. Exactly. But I'm, I, I will try and watch every time Messi is on because he's that exciting. So. Nashville SC beat Minnesota United 5-0 behind five different goal scores. Now, Nashville is a top-tier team. They are good. Good. Um, So they move on to the semifinal. Philadelphia Union defeated Queretaro 2-1 thanks to a late, 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 late goal from Chris Donovan, who scored in the 10th minute of second-half stoppage time to take the victory. And lastly, Monterey roared back. Gideon, this game was wild. Roared back in the Rose Bowl to take down Los Angeles FC. Monterey was down two to nothing 
and completed the comeback in the 88th minute thanks to a goal from Funes Mori to book a place in the semifinal. Down 2-0 nice. to win 3-2 with a late goal to do nice. it. Miami plays Philadelphia in the semifinal on August 15th. And I believe that is tomorrow from recording. And um, Monterey plays Nashville. So there's only one Mexican team left and three North Ameri- three American teams left in this tournament. The semifinals both take place on August 15th. I expect Miami to win. They just keep winning. Um, Philadelphia, though, has had a lot of heartbreak. It would be funny if Philadelphia made it to the final only to lose. Because so, they've done that in every sport so far? Yeah. In the last calendar year, the Philadelphia Union lost the MLS Cup final in heartbreaking fashion. The Eagles lost the Super Bowl. The Phillies lost the World Series. And the Sixers got eliminated in the playoffs in the second round again. <laughs> All of their major sports. The have city of brotherly tears. Had a chance <laughs> and been good enough to compete for a championship. In everything. Didn't get it in pretty much everything. Dude. Except hockey. Right. The Flyers were awful. But <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's what's happening in MLS. Now, here was a great game. The Deutsche Football League Super Cup, the German League. This took place over this weekend as well. It was Bayern Munich, the Bundesliga champion, versus the versus RB Leipzig, who won the German Cup last year. <coughs> the winners of... So, Bayern Munich won the league last year. Leipzig won the German Cup. Leipzig, though stole the show. Their Spanish midfielder, Danny Olmo, put on a performance for the ages as he recorded a hat trick against the German Giants, taking down Bayern Munich 3-0 and claiming the Super Cup for a still-fledgling club that's very young, hmm. but beating the perennial Giants of Germany 3 being the guy to do it, like, you you did it. Exactly. Like, D- Danny Olmo, great performance, and I'm expecting a good, great season here from Leipzig. Um, it was funny. It was just weird seeing Harry Kane in a Bayern Munich jersey and not in a Spurs jersey. It was it was just odd to see him out there. But we'll see how they do with Harry Kane there now, replacing Robert Lewandowski. Women's World Cup update. England defeated Colombia 2-1. to Australia survived a marathon match that ended in a shootout in favor of the Matildas, 7-6. to England meets Australia on August 16th for a place in the final. On the other side of the bracket, Spain outlasted a very determined Netherlands team to win 2-1. to one. This, came, this game almost went the distance to penalties, but Spain would take advantage of the Orange Lionesses' woeful finishing and put away the game late, thanks to a goal from Sarah Paroluelo. Now, this game mirrored the men's side as well, because in the 2010 World Cup final, Spain defeated the Netherlands on a 118th-minute goal by Andres Iniesta to take the World Cup final from Mm. them. And this game went almost that exact distance, almost to the minute on the goal scored. So crazy how uh, history repeats itself. Sweden would upset a very talented Japanese team 2-1, and Japan almost clawed it back late, but the post would save Japan, sorry, would save Sweden, and send Sweden through to the semifinal, and Sweden takes on Spain on August 15th in the semifinal. I expect Spain to win that one. Sweden is playing well, but Spain is a very talented side. Lastly, Bayern Munich striker Mathis Tell suffered racial abuse from Bayern fans after squandering some chances in their loss to RB Leipzig. Bayern has unanimously condemned the behavior and are investigating bans for the fans. Now, I love soccer. I really do. Unfortunately... About four to five incidents of this racist abuse from fans in Europe happens every season. 
and I'm sick of it. Hmm. It's atrocious What behavior. do they mean by racial abuse? Like monkey chants sometimes for black players. Ooh. Like throwing bananas towards players. Dead serious. This stuff happens. It, like it's happening in Germany. It happens in Spain and Italy. Like I'm sick of it, man. I Ross, don't you know that America's the only country that has racism? Yeah, exactly. Like I think we created it or something. Yeah, we like, invented it. And it, it, I just I can't believe. Obviously, I understand the human condition. I understand sin in, right. man, in men's hearts. I understand that these things happen the way they do, and the Bible universally condemns racism. Of course, and it's hatred of brother. Exactly, and as Christians, we need to be very outspoken about condemning this type of behavior. And I, I get so sick of seeing players who are on the field, the men in the arena, being hated simply for what they look like. Yep. It's atrocious. It's sinful. It's evil. It's heinous. And like Byron said, it needs to be condemned. For sure. On the spot. So there's that. Um, as I mentioned already, Chelsea have stolen Moises Caicedo signing and are now beating Liverpool to Lavia signing as well from Southampton. So Gideon, that's the soccer news. And uh hate to end on that note, but that's where we are and it, it needs to stop. Mm. So baseball. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Baseball. We're getting to almost to the postseason. Gideon. A couple more months. We need to I want to change change things up a little. We need to start with a clip here. Cause I, I alluded to this in the intro. Did you know that you can get suspended? For reading in baseball. Now, we have to build this up because this was egregious. Absolutely. This was atrocious. This Good follow-up to the racist yes, thing. This is, we need to play this clip for you because Kevin Brown, the uh, Baltimore Orioles play-by-play guy. One of the announcers. One of the announcers. The had the audacity to say this so sad on live yeah. TV. Let, let, let him hear it, Ross. Okay, here is the clip from Kevin Brown. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017. The last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. My goodness. Can you believe he dare say such a thing? He dares. He read history verbatim. <laughs> what the TV. He didn't even create this graphic. He did not even... He was literally reading a cue card. If you were listening to that whole spiel, waiting for the moment that he said something so disgusting <laughs> that's worthy of a suspension, welcome to the club. Gideon, this is so <laughs> stupid. What are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, you got a super sensitive um, 
low on the self-esteem owner, apparently, because the owner suspended him. Yeah, like, you, the, the team suspended him. You hear the owner like, he said, what about our guys? He, he said, we can't beat the Rays. He said, he said we're, we've lost to them a bunch of times lately. Is it, wait, did we, did we lose a bunch of them lately? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, we did lose a bunch to the Rays recently. That's why we made the graphics, sir. Get that guy out of here. <laughs> and if you don't, you might lose your job for making the graphic. It's like it's like the uh, the Venezuelan representatives from Parks and Rec. Like, you overcook chicken, straight through jail. You undercook chicken, straight, <laughs> straight through, through jail. Straight through jail. <laughs> overcook, <laughs> undercook. <laughs> this is so... Can you That's believe this? They, I love that. They suspended him. And, of course... The world realized, hey, Baltimore, this is why you guys have been a clown franchise uh-huh. for years. Yeah. Because you do stuff like this. There was one um, announcer for another team that was talking the, their, in their game the day after. Yeah. And he said, like, hey, if you don't, basically, hey, Kevin Brown, and Kevin Brown's, like, young. Like, he's a young oh, yeah. dude in the business. Yeah. And they were like, hey, you know, if you don't want him, there's 31 other, or 29 other cities who do want him. So basically said, like, He's better than me because if if the team that I'm announcing for wanted him, he could have my job. Like right now, Kevin Brown, easy temptation to be angry, easy tem- easy temptation to go off on the Orioles franchise and be like, you know what? Forget you guys. Right, you're gonna suspend me for literally doing my job. <laughs> but I thought he played. A I thought he was very gracious. In his suspension, and here was what he said: When a few days, I think it was, I think it was like 36 hours later, he got reinstated. But this is what he had to say on uh, X or Twitter. He said, "O's fans, I'm a storyteller, and never want to be a part of the story. The most compelling story in baseball right now is the story of the league-leading Baltimore Orioles, the best, most exciting young team in the American League. Unfortunately." Recent media reports have mischaracterized my relationship with my adopted hometown Orioles. The fact is that I have a wonderful relationship with the organization, and our ownership and front office has fully supported me since 2019 when I first came aboard. I ask that everyone disregard the distracting noise of the past few days. I have worked closely with Orioles uh, Senior Vice President Greg Bader for the past four years and John Angelos, and I have a solid dialogue based on mutual respect. We are all good here in Birdland. I am proud to be an Oriole and call Baltimore home, and there is no place in baseball I'd rather be now. And for the long haul, go O's. That took a lot of restraint and a lot of maturity. Yeah. To, what a to, stand-up dude. To take that on the chin and be like, I know I'm in the right. Why do I have to be upset at this? Yeah. Like, nah, you didn't grumble. Right. Good lessons for us, especially when we have a stressful or unfair job situations yeah it's how you that's how you handle yourself yeah like a man right so let's move on to some other baseball i had to get that out because that was just a that was just a hilarious moment in the world of sports and embarrassing for the orioles right so we have the rays they opened a three-game series against the guardians this weekend they took the first two lost sunday night they continued their race to keep up with the orioles um monday night against the giants Wander Franco would hit a leadoff home run in the bottom of the ninth to bring the Rays they, the Rays, um, the win in game one. More to come on Wander Franco later as we have a very uh, dun, dun, dun. gripping thing here uh, coming up. The Marlins, they took two out of three from the Yankees in Miami. Now, Aaron Judge is back, Gideon, and Aaron Judge does things. 
that very few people have done. Aaron Judge is a back. He... And if you didn't know he was back, if you put your ear to the window, you might hear something coming from the direction of New York from where your house is. Because Aaron Judge hit a monster 464-foot homer. Dinger. In his return to action. The Marlins are needing every win they can get as they try to get the final wildcard slot. But giving up absolute moonshots to Aaron Judge is not the formula (laughs) to get that done. (laughs) So uh, the Phillies... Lost a crucial series at home to the Twins. They dropped two out of three in Philly. And the Phillies hold a slender lead on the first wildcard slot. And game three of the series was absolutely frustrating for those Philadelphia fans. As uh, they were on the wrong end of many controversial strike calls that were backbreaking. Alec Baum in particular was so incensed that he ended up spiking his bat after a called strike three with bases loaded and the umpire ejected him for his remonstration. Mm. The Nationals swept the A's in this week's Ah Who Cares series. I just I can't be bothered to research teams that are not in playoff contention in August in baseball. The A's ha- happen and somehow manage to be worse than the Royals. <laughs> they have contrived to go where few men dare to dream. The Reds were all set up to play three against the Pirates, but the weather did not agree with them. They split the other two games thanks to uh, Fairchild's late RBIs and sit a half game back on the final wildcard slot in the National League. The Cubs, also sitting a half game back of the wild card, took two out of three from fellow playoff chasing Toronto. The Cubs are eight and three in August at the moment, Gideon. They are a unit right now and chasing hard for the playoffs. Cody Bellinger in particular is playing at an elite level. He's hitting over 300 and keeping the Cubs from falling off the pace. You called it. So far, I'm hoping to keep that one. Now, my Atlanta Braves almost completed the sweep of the Mets, but were bested in Game 3 of their series in New York. They won Game they won game 1, 21-3. to three, Wow, that's blowing, a baseball score? Yeah, that is a baseball score. Not a football score? Not a, yeah. They blew the doors off the Mets, and they won Game 2, 6-0, before narrowly losing 7-6 on Sunday. Um, Matt Riley and... Uh, Sorry, Austin Riley and Matt Olson almost single-handedly erased a four-run deficit, but were unable to get things done in the end. The Braves sit with the best record in baseball at 75 and 42. They have almost lost fewer games than the Royals have won uh-huh. this far in the season. Wow. And you actually do get to say my Atlanta Braves because you are a partial owner. Shareholder, Ross Harris. That's right. The Red Sox took two out of three from the Tigers at Fenway. The Red Sox are still alive this season somehow, and they sit three games back of the Blue Jays for the final wild card slot. Everything to play for for this team. Gideon, are you? A, are you? Do you, do, do you cheer for the Twins or the Royals? Royals. Okay, I wasn't sure with your Minnesota ties, how how supportive you are, especially since they're division rivals. Yeah, when they're in the same division, no, I'm hometown loyal. Hometown. Okay, love it. I cheer for the Vikings because they're in the NFC. I, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because it was a weird. And trans- I love their colors. That's true. It was a weird transition for me when I came from the White Sox also to the Royals, both AL Central teams. Mm, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So, But now You're I'm Royals. You're a betrayer. I am. That's okay. Houston take – but I, I didn't bandwagon it, though. <laughs> I've joined a bad team to a bad team. <laughs> but did you join it when they were winning the World Series? No, I, I started in 2010. Okay, they were trash. Yeah. My wife and I first met at a Royal, or first hung out at a Royals game when oh, we came out nice. here. And we played I Spy during a rain delay, and that was how we got to know each other. Nice. So, that's cute. Yeah. Aww. 
Yeah. Young Ross, Young Emily. You have to add that uh, little like uh, clip of. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Houston took two out of three from the Angels as Kyle Tucker continues to dominate the plate. He hit another three run homer, leading the Astros to back to back 11 3 wins. The Astros hold the second wildcard slot at the moment while the Angels sit six and a half games back. Shohei. I was going to say show May the money after this year. Dude, I'm done with the Angels. I'm sick of them seeing this. I'm sick of seeing this happen. The Brewers swept the White Sox behind a three-run homer from Carlos Santana. Uh, The Brewers lead the NL Central once again and are playing well as the season is winding down. Christian Yelich continues to lead the team with a 290 batting average. I love watching Christian Yelich play baseball. He is so good. The, Ro- the Royals split another Ah Who Cares series with the Cardinals. This was for pride and pride alone, though, because... Uh, I care. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because if anyone... The Royals are weird because they're not, like... They don't have great outstanding rivalries with anyone in their division. No. They're, but, like, our bloodbath rivalry is a National League team. Yeah. Because, Same state. Yeah, because we because the Cardinals look down the St. Louis Louisians look down their noses at people in Kansas City uh-huh. for and, baseball, at least. and we all know it. They lost their football, and team. we all know it. That's right, because uh, we have the Chiefs and they have the Battle Hawks. The more the more important sport. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, when was the last time the Cardinals won anything? I think it was like 2012. That famous Rangers World Series where oh. David Freese went nuts. Okay, um, but yeah. It's, but so a decade. Their baseball pedigree, though, is I think is second best in all of baseball. Yeah, yeah they're a historically great yeah. franchise. They're awesome. Uh, but the Chiefs will be the number one in all. Oh yeah, we're gonna win ten. We're gonna win the next ten Super Bowls at least. At ten least. In a row. We might win two in one year. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Could be done. <laughs> when you have the Super Bowl and then you have the NFL versus the Battle Hawks Saudi versus the XFL Saudi League. <laughs> That'll be two in one year. That's right. The Super Duper Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Trademark. Trademark bidding. (laughs) I love that. Please, if this ever happens, please call it the Super Duper Bowl. That's right. (laughs) Everyone would watch that. Oh, yeah. Just for the name. Absolutely. The the Padres dropped two out of three to the Diamondbacks. The Padres sit in fourth and then... Uh, National League West and five and a half games behind for the final wild card slot. They spent too much money. They need to get in. The Orioles played a stellar series in Seattle against the Mariners. The Orioles took a two took two games out of three from the Mariners. And I have to play this clip now. There was a bit where Dude, I watched this. Gideon, are you um, are you like a? I I know you we're obviously not, but you know the term the baseball gods, the sports gods. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Kevin Brown got suspended. When the Orioles were playing the Astros. Uh-huh. Orioles are up 6-3. to three, Bottom of the ninth. Astros hit a walk-off grand slam. Right as Kevin Brown gets suspended. And everyone's like, did the Orioles screw up the mojo? Did they get bad juju for wrongly suspending this guy? A walk-off grand walk-off slam? Walk-off grand slam. Just where like, you needed the grand... You yeah. needed the all four to you win. You needed all four. Yeah. So... Everyone's like, That's oh, no, much, the baseball gods are against us now. But thankfully, they are false idols. Yeah. So, um, the, There's only one god. Exactly. And unfortunately for you, his providence is actually true. And so he might very well just be against you. 
God opposes the proud. Yeah, you say that as a joke, but he does order all things. Right. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Yes. So then the Orioles played against the uh, American League dark horse favorite before the season, the Seattle Mariners. And then this game was three to two. Or sorry, it was, was, um, yeah, three to Uh bottom of the ninth. Mm-hmm. This happens. Yep. Okay. You ready? Feel the excitement kind of pick up, and it's kind of hard to catch your breath. So, for Mike, this being the first time he's out there in the ninth, save opportunity. That's a big out for him. Rants into center field. Hit well. Hit deep. Mullins. He got it. He, he got it. Not be oh my gosh. He cannot have just done that. Oh. He cannot have just done that. That ball was over the fence. The Are play you of a lifetime. Hitting me. Oh my gosh, look at this play right here. I don't even know what to say. Perfectly timed. Oh my gosh, brings it back. One out to get. Thanks to the greatest play of Cedric Mullins' major league career. We're going to say it, given the circumstances. So Mullins has that absolute highway robbery of that home run. He went probably a good foot, foot and a half over the wall to get that. that. He snatched you right out of the air, Mulan quote. Like in a full sprint, like in a full run up the wall. It was perfectly timed. It was excellent. Yeah. So that was his the third of the season. They actually have a stat for this. His third robbery of the season. That's a stat. Um, leads the majors. Nice. Then. Wait. No, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. <laughs> then, next batter. Then this happened, Gideon. To bring it back. Here's Dom Canzone. Canzone. A towering fly ball. Dom Canzone. He ties it off the window. His first home run as a Mariner in the most dramatic of ways. You're not bringing that one back. 109 on the exit below. He hit all of it. Towering fly ball out to right with a lot of carry. 400 feet to right. Like you've done it a hundred times. <laughs> His second home run of the show, his first as a Mariner, and he ties it up in the bottom of the ninth inning. So, that was not even the end of the drama. First of all, watch that clip because the bat flip that that got that he unleashed Epic. after that. He yeah. knew as soon as he hit that ball, it's gone. He hit a tactical nuke out of the field, and you could just see it bat flip, and he just that thing hit. Off the windows, like the uh, second yeah. deck of the stadium. Yeah, it was a bomb. He crushed it, but that wasn't even how. That was even the final. Because then we had that pushes it into extra innings. Pushes it into extra innings where Cedric Mullins, who just robbed, gets up to bat. This is epic. With one out, the tenth, and Mullins drives this one Get into up. right field. That's a fair Get ball. Up. That is deep. That is oh out of here. Cedric Mullins oh robs gosh. a home run. Cedric Mullins hits a home run. And the Orioles are back in front. Are you kidding me? Cedric had, this is probably the greatest two half innings I've ever seen a player have. He brings a home run back, hits one foul, and then comes back and hits a two-run homer to give the Orioles a two-run lead. Have your Cedric Mullins, after robbing that home run, he then cranks a two-run homer to take the win 5-3. He robbed, I love it, he like robs the home run. He's like, no, we're going to win this game. Yeah. Next guy gets up like, pow, two out in the bottom of the ninth home run. No, we're going to win. And he's like, 
I told you, we're winning this game. <laughs> Dude, it was fantastic. Like, what a great game. My gosh. That's <sighs> clutch on clutch on clutch. Yeah, because, like, no team was uh, – both teams were clutch. It was just whoever – But by Cedric Mullins. To right. be clutch to get that and then be like, yeah. oh, I won the game. And then it would be so easy to go reel down oh, if yeah. the guy smashes a home run right after you mm-hmm. save the game. And you're like, ah. Oh. And then you just get up and he's still super confident. Like, no. Mm-hmm. I'm still Mr. Clutch. Yep. Wow. Yeah. It was awesome. So the Dodgers have won 13 out of 15. They're on a tear, Gideon. They swept the Diamondbacks and the Rockies back-to-back, and Freddie Freeman continues to build an NL MVP resume with a 339 batting average and 83 RBIs. The Dodgers are about to be a massive problem for baseball. I'm curious what the National League MVP voters will do between Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson for the Braves. Because they're both having very similar years. But uh, Matt Olson, I think, is leading in RBIs, but uh, Freddie Freeman's leading in batting average and near in RBIs. I'm curious to see how this goes, especially Freddie Freeman being the World Series MVP with the Braves when they won it a few yeah. years ago. And then he moved to the Dodgers. So curious how that's going to go. The AL West leading Rangers took two out of three from the Giants and hold serve over the chasing Astros. They almost had the sweep, but gave up a two-run homer in the 10th inning to Patrick Bailey as the Giants took one back. MLB news, Gideon, and then we're going to wrap this up real quick. We have to start with Shohei Otani. He's going to miss his next start due to arm fatigue. Mm. Now, as I was writing up our itinerary for this podcast... I started, I was talk. my wife was standing next to me as I was writing this up and she's reading this and she's like, what do you mean arm fatigue? She says, he should have back fatigue from carrying these bums this whole season. Like that's a direct quote oh, from my wife. Emily, you're great. <laughs> like I, started, I was dying laughing because if there's one sport that Emily loves, she's it's very baseball. Witty. It's baseball. Yeah. And she goes nuts when like, she goes nuts when people don't do their jobs. And seeing this, seeing Shohei literally try to carry this entire franchise on his back while getting very little support, it is aggravating to her. So, yeah. Um, unfortunately, that is probably the last bit of humor we have in the show. Yeah. Because we have something to report. Now, I must preface this report, and this is courtesy of Jeff Passan from ESPN. Um, Jeff is one of the best in the game best in the business um this is speculative there's still an investigation ongoing with this i mentioned that we would get back to wander franco later from the tampa bay rays superstar young superstar young superstar player about 22 years old shortstop for the tampa bay rays so i'm going to read this this is quote from jeff passan espn With Major League Baseball looking into social media posts involving Tampa Bay shortstop Wander Franco, the 22-year-old All-Star did not travel on the team plane to San Francisco ahead of the Rays series with the Giants, sources told ESPN. Quote, During today's game, we were made aware of the social media posts that are circulating regarding Wander Franco, the Rays said in a statement Sunday. We take the situation seriously and are in close contact with Major League Baseball as it conducts its due diligence. End quote. Tampa Bay did not detail the nature of the social media posts. As MLB looks into the social media posts to verify the information, Franco could be placed on the restricted list or administrative leave. The Rays, when asked about Franco not being on the team plane, declined comment to ESPN. 
Franco, who did not play in Sunday's game against Cleveland, was in the Rays' dugout at the beginning of the game, then left during the fifth inning. He did not speak to the media following Tampa Bay's 9-2 loss. Sunday's promotion at Tropicana Field was the Wander Franco snapback hat for fans 14 and under. After the game, Rays manager Kevin Cash was asked whether there was any issue with Franco not playing other than a regular day off. Cash replied, no. I'm aware of the quote, I'm aware of the speculation and I'm not going to comment any further on that, Cash said. The day off was because it was a day off. Now, you might be wondering, what is all this about? So, again, this is speculative. We are going to put it out there solely because it is news in the world of sports. Mm -hmm. But we are not going to make an assessment or a judgment on it because we just don't know yet. The speculation is that social media reports have surfaced that Wander Franco has been in a relationship with an underage girl back in the... Dominican Republic, I believe. The authorities in the Dominican Republic are investigating him. Yes. Now, you might be asking, okay, why, Ross, Gideon, why are you guys being so coy with this? Like, why are you being so cautious with this? Okay, so first of all, we are not allowed to bear false witness against our neighbors. Right. We cannot bring up, drudge up testimonies that just aren't, simply are not true. Second, Proverbs eighteen seventeen: the first to state his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. We don't want to break news for the sake of putting news out there. We don't want to be first. We want to be right. Right. Especially in a world where mob justice is. Social media mob justice wins the day. Exactly. So this is a report that we will be looking more into. But um, pray all goes well here. Pray that nothing nefarious has happened. And this are, these are, um, if these are bad reports, let them be bad reports. If they are true, let justice be done. Um, Especially he's, I don't know if you've seen, but he has a uh, a tattoo of three crosses right here on his neck. Yeah. Yeah. Got to make sure we... Um, I we, don't know if he's Christian. Right. We, don't, we, we honestly don't know. But based on the know. tattoo... Right. There is an inference there, at right. least. Uh, so we want to make sure that, again, if if these reports are true, and I, I believe they're... Again, this is speculation. I believe the report said that this girl also has a child as well, allegedly. So this is a real thing that's out there. Again, if it's true, let justice be done. If not, let the people who brought up the false witness be judged accordingly with whatever the punishment Wander Franco would have received. That's biblical standards for sure. Um, So let's uh, be careful with our keyboards. Let's be careful with our... Our words. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Exactly. Um, So that's that with that issue. Now, we need to... There's one last thing that came up. Gideon, did you ever watch the movie The Blind Side? Mm Mm-hmm. Good movie, I think. Yeah. For those who don't know, the movie's about a family in Tennessee, the Tuies, who adopted a foster care child foster care man or I guess high schooler at the time Michael Orr who went on to become an all pro he was an all American college athlete he ended up becoming an NFL player I believe an all pro mm-hmm. in the NFL great offensive lineman for the Ravens yep for the Ravens so this their movie was released based on his story because he was in foster care the Tuies adopted him got him into a good school 
he went to Ole Miss, had a great career in life. And it was all on this, all predicated on this generosity of the Tui family adopting him. So this report came out from Michael Fletcher of ESPN. And Michael Orr, in, he reports that in February of this year, of this year, again, the Blindside movie came out in 2009. Mm-hmm. And then my, in February of this year, Michael Orr discovered that the adoption papers he thought he signed after shortly after turning 18 were papers of uh, conservatorship mm-hmm. from the Tuies. So he had no familial um, status with them. With the Tuies. And they had all the rights to his they, money from the movie. They had all the rights. So he got did not get a penny for his story when he signed a deal with 20th Century Fox. He did not get a penny from the movie and the Tuies, all four of them, the husband, wife, son, daughter, each got 225000 in up front and then 2% of all the proceeds from the movie. Mm. And he didn't get a penny of it for his own life story. Now, people thought there was smoke. The, people thought there was smoke because... Uh, or thought there was a fire because there was definitely smoke. Like, for instance, Michael Orr at his own wedding did not invite the Tuies mm. to his own wedding. And people were like, if they kind of like saved your life, like the movie <laughs> said, wouldn't you invite this family? Yeah. He didn't invite them. And he was always puzzled why he didn't get any percentage of the movie. But this was during his NFL career and he had bigger things to worry about. Mm. So his lawyer discovered this conservatorship and... There has been no response from the Tuies regarding inquir- inquiries into this allegation. The which is ironic because in the movie, one of the focal point, like one of the tension points, was people NCAA staff accusing them of the Tuies of saying, "Well, you're only adopting him so you can get him into your alma mater, Ole Miss, and make them a championship contender." And it was like, "No, no, no, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that at all." And that was like a huge tension point. It's kind of looking like that's what they were doing. Looking like it was a money grab. And uh, and what's this isn't just like they profited off a movie. Leanne Tui, the mom who played by Sandra Bullock, she became a motivational speaker, a published author. Like this was a big deal for them. Like they they profited off this man's career extensively. Now, when I first saw this, my first thought was, oh, here's another Colin Kaepernick being angry at an adopted family based on the worldview that we're living in today. And then I read this, I was like, oh, this is not the same at all. This is not the same at all. And so now we want to apply the same reasoning that we did to the Wander Franco thing. Like, let's let it play out. We're going to let it play out. I even post like on, um, on X, I even, I shared the article and I want to read my exact post how I phrased it. I said, there is a massive temptation to assume the worst here. I want all the facts. Michael Orr's case seems pretty intriguing and the facts established thus far seem quite damning for the Tuies, but we must wait for facts. Mm-hmm. So we're going to let this play out, see how it develops, but this does not look good. No. Um, looks sad. It looks kind of scummy. Um, and it looks like, uh, looks like some people took advantage of a kid who needed a family. Yeah. Um, and the, the real strange thing of that stood out to me was the, the Tuies, their lawyer who drafted the conservatorship document 
was a family friend of the Tui's. Huh. So it was like almost like an inside deal connection. So I don't know. It's it's all it's all just icky. And we're just we're gonna have to we're gonna keep you posted as you find out more information on this because I imagine this will be a uh, blockbuster would be the right word to describe like this. the movie was yeah, exactly uh, <laughs> everything in poetry, um, but a little bit of a sadder way to end things today, Gideon. But we have those every once we have those once in a while. But we need to make sure that especially when we we're not we're not doing we're not doing a sports show to. To, we, we don't want to profit off the gory details. We have to we have to talk about it. We have to sometimes look at the dark underbelly and understand and remember we're dealing with flawed characters in God's story. And we have to point to these flawed characters and be like, let's not do that. Let's, because again, these things were written down so that we can learn from them and so that we can remember what God has done so, and so that we can have hope as our, as this, post-millennial hope continues to work its way through the world as the leaven continues to work its way through the lump of dough as the the seed this mustard seed grows into a tall tree that the birds of the world come to nest in as the waters fill the earth as as the knowledge of god fills the earth as water covers the sea we know that stuff like this will be rectified yeah and justice will be served a pastor that i interned under for a year um he always used to say i think it's very profound he would say that uh the world says to live and then learn, um, but as Christians, we need to learn and then live. Amen. And on that, take what you've learned today into your city and change your city for the kingdom. I'm Ross. That's Gideon. Peace. Deuces. Deuces.